This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome to a Thursday night edition of the show. We've got guests because we have our Getting to Know You segment for both the Jets and Giants, and we'll talk to you next. Come on, call us. 1-800-919-3776. Also via X, formerly Twitter, at Gordon Damer at Hardesty ESPN. At ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM, below with Harvey and Joe. We're here till midnight on 98.7. Hey, Gordon Damon. Larry Hardesty, how are we feeling tonight? Um, I'm enjoying this Christmas movie on Hallmark. Yeah? You're not, you're not checking out the, uh, the big Thursday nights? Oh, I can't do that. Week I, can't, I, I tried. I tried. I tried. I tried, well, Gordon. This is a game I tried. for gambling degenerates, Larry. This I, is I a tried. game for people who have really nothing else going on in their life. Who uh, just uh, like to throw a little couple of shekels on the game and mm-hmm. just to give themselves some rooting interest. This is for the low down gambling degenerates. You know it's, who you uh, are. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I must admit, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, for the show, I, I tuned in mm-hmm. for a little bit and uh, I, I tuned back and they were talking to. Uh, Travis's little brother, Jason Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a little interesting, you know, because it, it focused on them and you didn't see much of the game. So that was good. But, uh, you know, listen, what do you expect? They're one in seven and the Bears are two and seven. And Gordon, this is, and Joe Leo and I were just chatting about this. This is the, this is the down part of the year where now the bad teams get to play and you see a lot of them. <laughs> And you're, you're, we know, we know what that's like, (laughs) We know, and you're frustrated because you start to look at like, what are going to be like the meaningful games. And then you really understand that the national football league is a parody league, Gordon, because there's not a lot of good teams. There's maybe what six, six really good teams and everybody else. (laughs) And I would think that you could say that there's no great teams. Yeah. There's a bunch of good teams. It's a bunch of good teams, but I don't think that there's any great team. There's no team that even the Eagles, I think, who have the best record on the season, mm-hmm. I would not look at them and say they're unbeatable or they're a great team. And uh, certainly the Panthers and the Bears are not in that equation because you see these two teams have a combined three wins, and you watch this game, and you're like, how do they have these wins? And talk yeah. about two teams that are kind of uh, on different paths. You have the Bears – who are going to have a very high pick and will need mm-hmm. a quarterback and who yes. also have the Carolina pick. So Carolina has one win on the season and don't have their first round pick because of moving up for Bryce Young, who has looked like hot garbage so far tonight and has not looked good so far this season. So Carolina seems to be an absolute mess. The Bears are a mess too, but at least they have something waiting for them at the end of the season. Yeah, and and it's interesting, Gordon, because what do they do? Do they do they go out and draft another quarterback? Chicago. I mean, well, they're going to yeah. have their pick, and they're going to have another pick, and there's a bunch of quarterbacks up there. So I don't think that the the fact that Tyson Badgett is still Bajent is still starting these games tells me that they are not uh, they are not sticking with Justin Fields after this season. So yeah, they're going down that road once again, and they're going to have a couple of shots at the dartboard. And 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 what is good for them? Now look, they can still screw it up. Mm-hmm. They can take one of those picks and take whatever quarterback they love, and then they can take that second pick and trade it and Mm -hmm. and help put a cast around the starting quarterback. Yep. They could. They really could do that. 
And, really and both those picks could be ahead of where the Giants are picking, yeah. even if the Giants don't win another game all year. Mm-hmm. Man, Giants are in a tough spot. I mean, there's enough quarterbacks there, but, you know, yep. you, you but are as you, high as you can get. But are you going down the same road again where you're going to draft somebody there's not going to be the infrastructure for that person to succeed in terms of offensive line, in terms of weapons, and it really becomes a conundrum because what if Caleb Williams is the first, is presuming going to be the top quarterback taken, mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to go to the Bears, and there's a deal to be made to move up. He's clearly the best guy, mm-hmm. but can the Giants actually be in the position where they pay the price to move up when they already don't have an offensive line, they already don't have an offensive. And then you're bringing this kid in and you don't have that infrastructure around him. And now with trading picks away, it's going to be harder to fill those holes moving forward. It's interesting. We'll, of course, be focused on it as we get closer to the end of the season. But for, for Giants fans, there's not a whole lot left to, to play for this year outside of the fact that the draft is, is after the year. Well, here's the one thing we know they can do. They can play Daniel Jones next year and put the kid behind him. They can, but you know, then they fall into that season. position of, hey, if they're losing games like they're losing games right now, what what are we losing games with Daniel Jones for? Let's right. see the then kid. Right, then you put took, the kid in. Right, exactly. Then Second you put the or kid third in. or fourth or wherever they pick. Absolutely, but but my thought process is, you know, put Daniel Jones out there because the infrastructure may not be ready. And so you may be doing some other things and maneuvering and, you know, you put the kid, you know, you put him in some games. And unfortunately, you know, that that's the way it's got to be because, Gordon, they need too many things. And, and they too really can't things. afford – they really can't afford to just – I mean, it's hard. I don't know that they can afford to give up a, a bunch of, of, of draft choice of spots to move up to get that, that next quarterback even though it, we it know just, they need them. Right, because now you now look, they will have a better situation in terms of the cap, so they'll have some money. I don't know who's a free agent after this season. Maybe they can go out and, and fill some holes that way. But outside of Andrew Thomas, it looks like they need an entire offensive line. They don't have any skill position players that you say are difference makers or really good players that are going to be part of the long-term future of the organization. Uh, no, I mean, look, the Giants are in a in a bad way. And, and to think that we could be sitting here, and we're not even sitting here now, we've been saying this for a couple of weeks, that, yeah. that last year could be wiped out as much as it was. Mm. It, is, uh, it is kind of hard to believe. All right, Gordon, let's talk about some of the stories. We'll be chatting until midnight here on 98.7 ESPN. We begin with the Giants. Wink Martindale's hurt. Surprised by Xavier McKinney's comments. You remember Sunday after the loss to the Raiders, the team, McKinney said the team's leaders were not really being heard. Well, Wink Martindale addressed McKinney's comments today. It surprised me because it's the first time it's ever happened in my career that a, a player would make a statement like that. I think it was a case where, you know, the, the kid's just frustrated from losing. You know, we spoke, we cleared it up. The example that he gave me of what he was talking about was an in-game adjustment. It really took a while for him to point out to me what exactly what it was. But I think that, you you know, you grow from that. And I just told him that, you know, that's something that it hurts the locker room. It hurts the defensive room when you say something like that. And, and I understand, you know, clicks and all the things that you do, and I respect your profession. But I, the, the example I used in front of him and the entire defense is, is when you make a statement like that, it puts money in your pockets and takes it out of ours talking about the media you know what I mean and I said you just have to understand that it was an emotional thing right after the game and you know you just got to learn from it so we're moving on well 
Gordon, he's right, but on the other hand, he should understand that it's an emotional thing right after the game. The player's frustrated. They're on the field. They get run over by a Raiders team uh, that, you know, that wasn't running the ball well, and Josh Jacobs, what they had, 127 yards rushing. And he, you know, McKinney was frustrated. That That's what happens. That's what happens when you have losing teams, okay? The frustration comes out. And so, yeah, it's better if it's held in the locker room behind closed doors. Come talk to me about it. But he was frustrated, Gordon. It's very simple. Yeah, it's been a very frustrating season. And the fact that it got to, to week eight, week nine, week ten, before somebody finally allowed that frustration to kind of bubble over is, is maybe the surprising thing, not the fact that it actually happened. The Jet offense, no secret, has struggled all season, be it quarterback, offensive line, drops by receivers, penalties, whatever. Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett spoke on their inability to sustain drives. It's the self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, it's just the simple things. I mean, we get an explosive play, and it gets called back for, for whether it's an illegal shift or an illegal uh, formation. Uh, it's a it's a fumble. We get going, and then we get a fumble. Or we get into a manageable third-down situation, and we don't convert. So I think for us, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just we're killing ourselves. And we all have to lock arms, stay together, and uh, be sure we find a way to get the first down no matter what. Gordon, everybody's pressing on that offense. Um, there's no question about it. Everybody's trying to make the big play. Everybody's trying to do something more than they should. Listen, as coaches always say, Gordon, do your job. Your job is to catch the ball, catch the ball, then worry about getting the big play. Your job is to make sure you block. Gordon, if you're a tight end and you're supposed to block one of the uh, linemen, don't whiff. <laughs> make sure that, you get the block. Yep. Don't whiff. Exactly. <laughs> And, and that's why that's part of the reasons why even when they complete passes, they're struggling. Yeah, uh, it's it's um, it's a rough watch. No question about it. It's a tough time. And, and uh, another game this week. I mean, the, the games keep coming. They're not. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's too late to fix anything now. The trade deadline's gone. We're deep into the season. So nobody's coming to rescue you. You got to fix it yourself. It is what it is. Very simple. Gordon, according to Stefan Bondi in the New York Post today, Julius Randle was operating at about 70% at the start of the season because of that uh, surgically repaired ankle. You know, it's funny. Last night, I noticed a play where he was right under the basket, mm-hmm. and he couldn't get enough explosion to jump and dunk the basketball. He kind of just floated it in, kind of rolled it over the rim. So mm-hmm. he's still not really recovered from, from that ankle situation. And that's... That was the most reasonable explanation for why he looked as bad as he did to start the season. Uh, people were making it out like, oh, this is just Rand-. – no, this w- that was not Randall. Uh, that's, not the, that's not the frustrating Randall that you've seen. I mean, he was just bad to start the year, and it's uh, – I guess maybe we kind of underrated how important that, uh, that surgery and how long the recovery was going to be because he, is, he did not look like the same guy to start the year, and hopefully now this is a sign that he's starting to round into form a little bit. Now, I admire his, his uh, availability, Gordon. I admire mm-hmm. that he wants to play in a, in a league that everybody's talking about load management. That's not been his style, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. But, Gordon, there's a thin line. There comes a time when you're actually hindering your team. And would it have been bad for him to take a game off to try to rehab that instead of going out there and, you know, not being himself? Game off. Game <laughs> game off, Larry. Who, who, where where do you think you are? Who, what team do you think you're talking? What, what coach do you think you're talking about? There are no days off. 
Well, there should have been for him. Yeah. <laughs> in hindsight, yeah, absolutely, there should have been. But he's got one way of doing things, Larry, and he ain't changing yeah. that now. No question about it. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of the Knicks and what they might do in the future, because you keep hearing these Joel Embiid, you know, rumors again, Gordon, now that uh, Harden is gone, Wolves weighs in on the Knicks' future. The Knicks are in that four to six range in the East. Uh, at best, they're probably a second-round playoff team. It's hard to imagine them beating one of those elite teams that are best of seven. Sure. But where the Knicks are right now is in position uh, with four of their own first-round picks, four uh, other first-round picks, eight total, uh, ten second-round picks, and all of their pick swaps to go out and do a big deal, whether that's at the trade deadline, whether that's at the draft or free agency. But the next big players who either ask out or become available, I think the Knicks are in great position uh, asset-wise to go get a true number one player. Jalen Brunson has been outstanding for him. You've seen him. uh, He brought a credibility to this team, and he's been outstanding. But there's another level of star they need to get. They do have the assets to go and do it. They just have to decide who that is and who's going to be the person, Gordon, that says, I want out. That's the big part. That's the big part of it. Yeah, there's no question the Knicks have the assets. There's no question the Knicks have the desire. But who is that target? And is that target what the Knicks deem worth? There's a lot of things that got to line up. Uh, it's pretty clear that Donovan Mitchell did not meet the criteria from the Knicks' point of view. They they were willing to go to a certain price, but not overpay. How many guys are out in the league that are better than Donovan Mitchell? Fifteen guys. Hmm. 20, so you're talking about one of 20 guys. Is one of these 20 or 15 guys, do they want to go to another team and do they want it to be the Knicks? Uh, Leon Rose has some work to do. <laughs> yep. No question about that. Well, the injury bug continues to bother Joe Leo's Brooklyn Nets. Already down Nick Claxton and Cam Johnson. Now add Cam Thomas, who suffered an ankle sprain in the win over the Clippers last night. He's now out two weeks. And, Gordon, this is a guy that the Nets – can ill afford to lose for a long period of time. He is he is an offensive guy with a lot of credibility. He's got shot. He's got range. He can put the ball on the deck. He can create any shot he wants. He is a Gordon, he is the he is the player that coaches say, I love to have because he's a shooter with no conscience. He knows the ball is going in the basket and he will continue to shoot it if he's available. Yeah, it's a little disappointing because the Nets have some interesting players and you want to see how these guys kind of grow and and mesh together. And and now they're missing some of these pieces here to to start the season. We're not even that deep into the season or you're already missing some pieces. Yeah. Uh, A couple of uh, baseball notes. Hey, Gordon, uh, Francisco Lindor, Silver Slugger. Look at that, huh? Yeah, I was surprised. Well, he he did end up having a a good – you look at the numbers. Now, it didn't really translate – in terms of wins and losses, but take a look at the other shortstops around the National League, and his numbers are pretty good. They're pretty good. You're right. They are. They are. And the game you heard right here on 98.7 ESPN, Rangers continue to roll. Gordon, they outskated Minnesota 4-1, and uh, the Islanders lose to Boston by the score of 5-2. Those are just some of the things we'll be chatting about inside this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. So, Gordon, uh, Joe Leo had a great idea for married for married guys this weekend. 
Oh, well, I'll be the judge of that. Any, any non-married guy saying, I got good advice for the married guy, I'm a little leery. He is saying, based on the Sunday football games in this area, mm-hmm. it would be a good week mm-hmm. to surprise the wife and get some things done on your honey-do list because of the games that you're available to watch. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, you know, for us, we still have to watch them. Yeah, absolutely. We still, we still gotta. We still gotta. We, this is the this is the the business we've chosen, unfortunately. Yes. yes. And uh, we've been, we've been down this road before. It oh, feels yes, like we, we just keep going down the same road. We suck. But but check out these games, Gordon. Yeah. So just check this out. Now this is the one o'clock window. Mm-hmm. Houston at Cincinnati. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Frisco at Jacksonville. That's a good game. Cleveland at Baltimore. Not bad. You know, well, here's the four o'clock. New York at Dallas. Boom! Atlanta Atlanta and Arizona. Boy's ass! Yeah. Washington, Seattle. Uh, It's got a little juice there, you know. Sam Howell uh, tossed it around the yard a little bit. uh, We can get into that one. uh, New Orleans, Minnesota is the one o'clock game. I mean, I'm just looking at the four, the four, and, and the 820. Listen. I could understand. He stinks. I could understand why. Okay, Giants, Cowboys, rivalry, division. You know, the the Daniel Jones thing was late. We couldn't move anything. Gordon, they had the opportunity to flex that that Jets-Vegas game out of the Sunday night and didn't do it. They could yeah. have flexed out of it. They could have. They had enough time. I don't know all the rules of, of what would they have been. What were the options for the other games? I like I, I'm assuming they just can't take whatever game they want. I, I don't know what other game. I, I, now you might make the case, and you'd probably be right that whatever game they could throw a dart out a window and hit a better <laughs> game than than Jets and Raiders. You know, and that's possible. And I'm biased. I admit it. I admit mm-hmm. it. I'm a little biased. You know. Listen, I you know I have to watch it. It doesn't matter to me. Whenever the Jets play, I got to watch it. Okay, yep. like you said, whatever yep. they play. So mm-hmm. I had you know I'm just I'm thinking of. The foot, the football fan, Gordon, who nationally is not really interested in Jets Vegas. They would rather no. see maybe, you know, give me Detroit, L.A., give, give me Detroit in, in the in the Chargers, give me you know Cleveland, Baltimore. Yep, there, there's I mean, there's, you know. there's some options there, right? Yeah, yeah, you could definitely pick a better game than Jets Raiders. Uh, I would suggest to those people, have you heard about FanDuel? Um, because you might need a little something on the game to, to make it a little interesting. But here's the thing. The Jets, we're de- very down on the Jets right now. And, and clearly the Raiders are, look like a mess of an organization. It's not out of the realm of possibility that those teams could very well m- be in the playoff race. It's mm-hmm. not outlandish to think. I mean, yep. we're talking about the Jets as if they're dead and buried at 4-4, four and four, but we're talking about the Browns at 5-3 and three like they're somehow riding high. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that, that the Jets still have stuff to play for here. They still have an opportunity in front of them. Last week, Monday night, was a disaster. It was mm-hmm. a horrendously bad performance. But the Jets' biggest weakness is optimism. Mm-hmm. As soon as the fans start feeling good about where, and there was a lot of talk, and I, I, I should have, I should have spotted the signs. I didn't. A lot of talk about not just making the playoffs. The division is there for the taking. There was a lot of that mm-hmm. talk last week, mm-hmm. 
and optimism bites the Jets in the rear end every chance it gets. This week, their, they, their strength is from negativity. Mm-hmm. When everybody is counting them out and kicking the dirt on them, that's the time they respond. So this would seem like a good week for the Jets to respond. And if they do, and they move to 5-4, and four, they're right smack dab back in the playoff race. Tied with Buffalo. Isn't that amazing? Right. And be, another game uh, against the Bills, and they seem to have the Bills number. Yeah, they will be right there. DJ Reed spoke to the media, and Gordon, he was asked about the pressure on this Jets defense to try to you know, keep games close and even get some turnovers to score, help the offense or score themselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get takeaways. Um, obviously, you know, you get the ball, you get paid. You know, guys individually want to get the ball on um, the D-line. Want, they want to get sacks. Um, you know, as a corner, you want to get interceptions. Uh, as a safety, you want to get picks. As a linebacker, you want to get forced fumbles and interceptions. Um, you want to have production. And overall, you know, that's going to, you know, lead to, to wins. You know, really, when you look at that, man, and all this talk about, you know, Ravens and all this stuff, great defenses, you know, we'll put that aside, Gordon. For, you know, that was just talk, and that's what they, you know, that's what they strive for, and I understand that. But, I mean, they've only given up 156 points. And really, what, 30 of that was Dallas, or mm-hmm. a big chunk of that was Dallas. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, I mean, they've done their best, Gordon. They've kept them in games. Now, have they been perfect? Absolutely not. Have they had penalties and extended plays and stuff of that nature, not going off the field on third down? They have. But for the most part, they have kept this Jet team in where all they have to do is find a way, either special teams or a big play on offense or something of that nature, where they have a chance to win games. And so, you know, against this Oakland team, where we saw Aiden O'Connell last week, you know, have a really good game against the Giants, mainly because of the running of Josh Jacobs. You know, the Jets have an opportunity to watch what they were able to do, what Aiden was able to do last week, and have a chance to maybe confuse him a little bit this week. Yeah, there's no reason why the Jet defense does not absolutely feast this week. And uh, it does feel like a lot of times the Jets' better chances to score is when they're on defense. Um, It feels like you're just waiting for there to be a pick six or a big turnover that they recover and and run back for for a touchdown. It, It just feels so hopeless when the Jets are on offense. There's absolutely no reason that the Jets don't absolutely feast this week. And I would expect, you know, we've, we've seen them pull off wins, the Eagle win, the Bill win, mainly because they turned the other team over. That should be the game plan this week. They, there's no reason why they are not turning o- over Aiden O'Connell a couple of times in this game. The concern you have, though, if you're a Jet fan, is their struggles against the run. And, and that's when Josh Jacobs is, <laughs> Gordon is very good. I mean, he led the league in rushing last year. And he was pretty good last week. And, and once again, you, you almost have to, okay, you have to stack the box, Gordon, and say, okay, Josh Jacobs is not beating us. Aiden O'Connell has got to beat us. If, if he can throw the ball and find, uh, you know, Devontae Adams and some other receivers, then, you know, we'll, take, we'll, we'll make the adjustment. But until then, you're, we're not letting you run on us. We're just not. Yeah, and they did a good job of that last week against the, the Chargers. So I don't mm-hmm. see any reason why they wouldn't be able to do the same thing kind of this week, at the end of the day, with the Jets, it's all about can you get anything out of the offense? Can uh-huh. you get something out of the offense? And it'll be interesting to see the Raiders, they, they, when they fired Josh McDaniels, there was this like almost release of the players 
that they were free, right? They, they, mm-hmm. it, all of a sudden, they could they could smile again. They could have fun again. Does that last a second week? We've seen yeah. a lot of coaches changes in the in the middle of the season, and the the interim coach goes out there and gets a win initially, but then things eventually go back to the way they were. Is there any carryover to a second week for the Raiders, or is it back to where they were before that, and they're a complete mess? I will say this that I was happy to see and thought it kind of worked in spots with the Jet offense last week against the Chargers, Gordon. And that was they did do the up-tempo on a couple of drives. And that looked to be something that was sometimes effective, but at least it showed that they were trying to do something different. You know, okay, mm-hmm. listen, we've been talking about this up-tempo. All right, so let's try it. And it worked sometimes. Look, sometimes it didn't. That You know, that that's the way it happens. But at least you, you can see that they're trying Hackett and the coaching staff is trying to do something different. They just, in my opinion, humble opinion, they just got to do, and I get it that the running game was not working, but oh, they got to, they got to hang with it a little bit longer. Yeah. And you they have gotta to. Be, yeah. And they got to be more creative with how they do it. You can toss it to him. You don't have to head, well, take it out of the backfield. Zach has had some problems with that too. Yeah. That true. one play where he could have run for the first town. He decides yeah. to flip it to the running back. Who's got a guy right on him. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a mess. But, look, th- there's absolutely no reason. Why- the numbers, I think, were 49 passes and 16 runs. Uh, it, cannot, it cannot look like that. It, it cannot look like that again. That is inexcusable for a- an offensive coordinator who's supposed to be this smart guy. And, and even if, if Brees Hall is not doing a whole lot, He's kind of a home run hitting guy. So if you give it to him four times and he doesn't go anywhere, that fifth time he might go to the house. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, it's almost like when we're talking about changing the quarterback, like what do we got to lose? What do we got to lose by handing it off to him three times? Yeah. Yep. You're right. You're right. Especially even if it just slows down the rush a little bit to give your offensive line a break. <clears throat> yeah. Even I, to, and I would, that think that, I would think that run blocking – would at least allow them to kind of get on the same page and, and not have to worry about the pass. It's like you're setting the tone there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe that could and, – and here's the thing. The Raiders' offense, we're, we're skewing it because we just saw it against the Giants and they scored 30 points or whatever right. it was. Mm-hmm. They do not have a good offense. Uh, no. The week before against the Lions, they scored 14 points. Against the Bears, they scored 12. Against the Patriots, they won, but they only scored 21. That was their highest point total of the season, 21 against the, pa- the lowly Patriots. Mm-hmm. So this is not a good Raider offense, so there's no reason why the Jets are not going out there and shutting them down and, and, and maybe not shutting them out, but shutting them down to a, a large degree. Yeah, this is, a, this is a big game for the Jets. Oh, th- this, this, this is a big game. I don't think last week was a must win. Mm-hmm. This week is a must win. If you drop to, to four and, and, and five – yeah, struggling. You got struggles. That, that's and, – and, and think about it. If you drop to four and five, what's going to come about? It's going to be all about the quarterback. At yeah. some point, that's going to pop up. It is. And, and if you lose this game, we already had the questions this past week. Do you go to Trevor Simeon? Do you go to Tim Boyle? Do you, what, what do you think is going to happen if you, if, you, if you throw away a game against the Raiders? Come on. You got to yeah. – at least the Chargers were on the fringe. Like, we always expect them to lose games like that mm-hmm. because they always lose games like that. Yeah. The Raiders, we don't expect them to do anything. So this is a team that you should absolutely and have to beat. It's a must-win game. And then, of course, after that, you've got at Buffalo, uh, Miami on uh, Black Friday. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, Atlanta and Houston. And Houston was putting points on the board, Gordon. I mean, mm-hmm. they're rolling. And then after Houston, you're at Miami, home for Washington, at Cleveland, at New England to finish out the season. So, you know, you you got a couple of – you need – it would be nice to get this one, especially going into, you know, two in your own division at Buffalo and home for Miami. And you know that Buffalo Buffalo's waiting for you. You know, they're, they're waiting is, for you. This is probably the easiest game you have left on your schedule. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could argue the Falcons because the Falcons is at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe the Falcons are more functional right now as an organization. The Ra- It's kind of hard to know how functional the Raiders are because of the coaching change and it was one game. And right. uh, I don't know if that's really who they are moving forward. I don't know if that's going to have any carryover. But this might very well be the easiest game the Jets have left on the schedule. You have to have it. Got to have it. Got to have it. Uh, Chris Canty, part of uh, the ESPN Morning Show, Unsportsmanlike, he had an interesting take on the future of Daniel Jones. We'll hear from Chris Canty next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, here's the Giants' next couple of games. Oh, God. Do we have to do this? Does it matter at this point? Well, I'm just curious to get what you okay. get your thought here. At Dallas, mm-hmm. but at Washington, mm-hmm. home for New England, then the bye week. So oh, is that one too. So here, here, here's my thought process, Gordon. I'm, I'm curious. If Tyrod Taylor is able to play nope. out of the bye week, nope. if you're the Giants, do you play him? Mm-mm. No. Thank you, Tyrod. We appreciate it. Go sit down over there. This is Tommy DeVito's team. And if uh, Tommy DeVito, for whatever reason, goes down, we're going with Matt Barkley. There should be one mission at this point. And look, here's the thing. For people who are like, ah, I don't like tanking, the Giants don't have to do a whole lot different. They just got to keep on doing what – keep on keeping on. They have to come away with as high a draft pick as humanly possible. And the only way to do that is to lose games. That's so tough when you're playing. Oh, look, I don't expect the players. Oh, to no, do. no, we know they're not tanking. Yeah. I'm just saying no. the emotion. The they organiza- know. The organization can do this pretty simply by mm-hmm. having an inexperienced quarterback go out there every single week. Yeah. Behind this offensive line and with these weapons. Yeah. They, I, it, I, I don't know what else you could possibly get out of this. It's, it's been long enough now where it's clear the Giants just simply are not that talented an organization. I know they've had mm-hmm. a lot of bad years and they've had a lot of high picks, but that doesn't make you into a talented team. They're, they have all of their talent, basically, is on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are coming out of any and, – and, and I don't know that they can get to one or two or even three. Maybe, you know, that Washington game worries me a little bit. The Patriots aren't very good. Um, but you got to come out with as high a draft pick as you can. And um, I don't think that it's going to take a whole lot of effort to lose a whole lot more games. you still got the Eagles twice. Yep. Uh, you got the Cowboys this week. So that's three more losses. You're starting a quarterback who's not really a starting quarterback in the NFL. Good story. I'm, I'm happy for him. But mm-hmm. Local kid, having fun. Absolutely. But uh, I, I think that they should absolutely start him the rest of the way and uh, try to uh, and actively try to lose as many games. And, and here's why this is why it's good for Joe Shane and Brian Dable. I know it's not good for the players. 
if this looks like this next year, anywhere close to this, that's when you're in danger. You're not Mm -hmm. in danger this year. They're not going to get fired after this year. Mm -hmm. But if it looks like this next year, you're in trouble. Out of the bye week, uh, home for Green Bay, at Mm -hmm. New Orleans, at Philadelphia Christmas Day, home for the uh, (laughs) – Merry Christmas, Giants. (laughs) Home for the Rams and the end of season, home against Philadelphia. Oof. Eagles twice in three weeks. Yeah. Not good. It's not good. Well, look, it's, I mean, it can't be good. Like, there's no NFL teams that the Giants no. really can play to, no, to, not to right feel now. good about. They're, they're a bad team. Yeah, not right now. And, and the worst thing you can be is mediocre. Yep. If you're going to be bad, be really bad. And, and the good news is you're really bad in a year where it looks like there's a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah. And you need one. You, do. you need everything else too, but see if if you're a giant fan, here's how you have to look at this. You don't ever want to be in this position again, right? So while you're here, take advantage of it. It's mm-hmm. not what you want. You're two and seven. Things broke, injuries, things just didn't break for you this year. It happens. You don't want to be here again. So lose, take take it on the chin, lose, and hope that this time your GM will be able to make better decisions than previous GMs have made. Now you're giving – now, look, he had a year where he had two top, what, seven picks? Top eight picks? Mm-hmm. I think he had top, two top seven picks. So and, and it looks like Thibodeau is, is, a, is a real player out of that. Uh, mm-hmm. Evan Neal looks like he's a real bust. But this is the draft that gives Joe Shane, and in a year, in an offseason – where they're going to have more cap space. They're going to be able to go out and spend some money and, and really go about fixing what needs to be fixed for the long term. And um, this, is their, this might be their best chance. It also might be their last chance. They got, they got to fix this. They got to start fixing parts of this team, especially on offense. Yeah, because you look as though you're getting further and further away oh my God. from Philly and Dallas. You're getting further and further away. You're certainly away. not getting closer, that's for sure. And – to be honest, if, if Washington makes a coaching move, Washington might be uh, uh, passing you as well. I mean, just look at what Washington has in terms of talent. I don't know if Sam Howell is the long-term solution there, mm-hmm. but they got Terry McLaurin. They got uh, the, the, the Jahan Dotson. The tight yeah. end is pretty good. They got a couple of backs. I mean, the amount of – like the Giants have Saquon. Yeah, <laughs> and and they yeah. every once in a while they'll hit a pass to the tight end before he got hurt, or or Darius Hyatt. Slayton or something. You know, like yeah. they don't have any real weapons on offense, and their offensive line somehow, against all odds, seems like it's as bad as it's ever been. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mentioned Chris Canty on Sportsmanlike on ESPN Network in the mornings, and he weighs in on what Daniel Jones' role will be with the Giants when he returns. He's going to be the bridge quarterback to whatever the Giants are doing next. I think the Giants use a top 10 pick that they're going to get this year because they're so bad on a quarterback, but I don't think they rush to put that quarterback in there, especially behind that offensive line that's got not only your starter hurt, but your backup quarterback hurt too. So I, I, I think Daniel Jones plays for the Giants next year as a bridge to their next franchise quarterback. Well, that would make sense, Gordon. Um, yeah. But but the question is because you got to pay him now. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay him after next year, 
And he'll probably well, they make still a, pay. They still do pay him some. It's not like all of a sudden it's just dead. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, at least they not can forty get million. It's not, it's not as prohibitive as it is now. Yeah, I mean, because you can't take that cap hit as Kay no. and the guys were talking about earlier. You, you'd like to you'd like to sit him or get rid of him, but you, you're not going to do that. That's no, too much of a cap hit. Taking him is no. There's, there's there's no you got stuck. Yeah, I mean, the more you think about it, last year was really in some ways the worst thing that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it completely put your your expectations out there where they did not belong. You were forced. I don't blame the Giants for for signing Daniel Jones. They had no, to sign Daniel Jones. They had to. But if they had if they had this year, last year, they would have been free and clear. The best thing for the Giants last year would have had to been had the, the year that they're having this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because then you could have moved on from Daniel Jones. Absolutely. And you probably would have moved on from Saquon too. You could have you could have started with a clean slate. Yep. And you would have not gone into this season thinking, "Hey, we got to do this. We got to. We're closing the gap. We're making mm-hmm. moves to make it. See, you know, trading a third round pick for a tight end who's thirty years old. The last year really was. Uh, it really kind of set back the entire plan. You probably you might have started Tyrod Taylor, Gordon, for this year. Yep. Maybe you might I have mean, started Tyrod Taylor. Would, you would you have, it, it depends on what you, where you would have been in the draft and the court. Right. But yeah, you're right. You're probably right. Yeah, you know, you could have, or like you said, if you were in the, and and then it would have been yeah, but the, the, leave it to the Giants to have it in a year where all the quarterbacks are coming out next year. <laughs> so if you're a fan, you're like, oh well, we got to have it. I guess it's got to be this year. At least you got some. You got more than one choice at quarterback. It's not like you said before, Trevor Lawrence and the and the field. No, it seems like, but again, it seemed like that in 2020 when uh, there was a bunch of quarterbacks. Wow, which quarterback do you want, Trevor Lawrence? Do you want Zach? And outside of Trevor Lawrence, they've all stunk. Yeah, that's crazy. It's It's amazing with the amount of resources that are poured into these decisions. It's almost like nobody knows. Nobody knows. All the questions that you ask them. Everything that you tried oh, to figure all out, all these tests and all these, all these, you know, pro days, and let's see, and this interview and that interview, and all the talking to the people in their family or talking to people yeah. around them at the programs that they were at. Nobody knows anything. Nobody knows. It, it's it, it's it's such an adjustment to that next level, Gordon, and and it's, you know, some of it is really when you think it's funny. Some of it is really the the coaches at the collegiate level's fault. They don't put them in huddles. You know, they look, everybody's looking to the sideline for to get the signals. There's no huddle up sometimes with some some coaches, um, with some schools. Gordon, they don't even know how to run a. They don't even know how to get get a handoff from center. They've been they've been good from shotgun. It, it's it's just amazing that you really have to you really have to hang your hat on what system the kid played in college. That kind of that helps you, or you got to hire somebody from the staff that can interpret what you're doing, and relate it to what he did while he was in college. And look, I think that a lot of we we see that the value of taking the quarterback high, and you have all you're paying all the other talent because you're not paying the quarterback. I don't know if the Giants are in that position where they're going to be able to put, even if they do draft whatever quarterback. It worries me because they just don't seem to have a whole lot else around him right now, and almost, mm-hmm. and we've seen with 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 
Sam Darnold. We've seen with Daniel Jones to a certain extent. If you don't have something around these guys, yeah, it uh, it it gets old fast. That's why and, you got to sit them. And and take a look at Carolina tonight. Like yeah. I don't think that they have a whole lot. I, I know they don't have a very good plan around Bryce Young. I don't mm-hmm. know that they have a ton of talent around Bryce Young. And, and you take a look at organizations that are at a mess right now. Uh, I think Cleveland is a mess. I think the Raiders are a mess. Carolina, what a mess. Trading away your future number one to draft this guy. And yeah. he doesn't even – I mean, C.J. Stroud clear, looks leaps and bounds. Yeah, he does. Yeah, better he does. than what Bryce Young looks. And yeah. uh, you're not going to have a number one pick next year. That organization seems like a mess too. They've been spinning and they've, they've been spinning uh-huh. their wheels and since that owner got there. They have been spinning their wheels. They've been Absolutely. struggling. Uh, my brothers are miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, they know it better than I do, right? They are miserable in Carolina. 